Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And I'm Molly. And you're listening to... Pimpod! Hello and welcome to episode four of our podcast. How are you both this week? I'm fabulous, thank you. Gosh, we've upgraded to fabulous from good, from good to fabulous. Yeah. I didn't know what was going to come out of your mouth when you were like, I'm f- <laughs> <laughs> awful. I'm fucking tired. No, yeah. I'm fabulous. <laughs> what made you say fabulous this week? Um, I don't know. I'm just feeling like really good, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's You've so had your nice. birthday, you had your 10 year yeah, anniversary, you had did, a few wine. I, I was a bit hungover on Sunday, which was not fabulous. But, <laughs> you know, you get to that point and you're like, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm never doing that again. But, like, it's yeah. a couple of days later and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do that again. <laughs> <laughs> a bit like birth. Yeah. 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 Just like birth. Um, How are you, yeah. Catherine? Good, good. I actually just looked, I got a message from Spotify to let us know about our listeners, a little bit more about them. And it told me that our listeners have one thing in common, and that's that their most listened to artist on Spotify is... Drum roll, please. Oh, did I just <laughs> spoil that? Oh, I didn't know you were going to do drum roll. Sorry. I'm not actually doing a drum roll. Oh. You're right. The Wiggles, yeah. I mean, it's not hard to guess. If I'm like, there's four of them in yeah. a variety of coloured tops and they're yeah. Australian and they love their red car. Mm, they do. <laughs> the and Wiggles. I'm pretty sure it's all of us threes most listened to artist as well in our Spotify wrap up last year wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Rockabye Beer was my number one played song. Oh, mm. that's a real tune that one though. Yeah. Oh, isn't it? Mila was real into <laughs> Emma's Yellow Bow, you know that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's catchy. Yeah. That is really catchy. catchy. Do you guys wake up in the middle of the night singing them? Oh mm. my gosh. Yes. We once said to each other do you reckon there's some something going on with these songs? Because when you first start listening to the Wiggles, you every night I'd wake up thinking about them. In the morning, it's yeah. the first thing I think of. There must be some subliminal messaging in these Wiggles songs because what be. are they doing mm. to us and our children? <laughs> Hypnotizing us all while we're watching. I think. Yeah. Mm. Are you guys not really engaging with the fact that the Wiggles are new? I'm not a fan. Too many. Too many. Too much going on. Although I actually have to admit I really liked the Christmas special. The songs are very catchy. And oh. Lockie was great entertainment. You have to watch it. It was oh, hilarious. Okay. I would honestly, I would like pause it and make my mum and Tomo watch it with me because I was like, this <laughs> is so funny. <laughs> was he just being hilarious or Yeah, it was his dance moves. Oh, oh please go. Was it the shoulder? It. Yeah, the, it yeah, the shoulder, shoulder and the hips. Yes. He's really getting yeah. the hips into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Lockie's actually Hugh's favourite one. He loves Lockie. Aww. You know, sometimes I watch the earlier episodes. I'm like, mm, Lockie's quite good looking. And now I look at the, <laughs> the latest one. So I'm like, Lockie has got a dad bod and like long and curly F-bod? hair. Yeah. Like, what the, he needs to get rid of that. He was quite good looking back in the day. Right. Enough on the Wiggles guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they get enough airtime as it is. They do. They do. They really do. <laughs> so, Georgia, what's on top for you this week? Oh, we have had, we're day five or six now of ditching the dummy with Florence. Ooh. Yeah. I was very scared to do it. Harry is, what is he, 20 months old still has his dummy. But mm. it was just never a huge issue with him. We didn't really have to do that many um, dummy runs. But... With Flo, it was really starting to affect her nights, but I was a bit worried about ditching it because it was a really great resettling tool for her. Yeah, I'd you know, have to replace it a few times and then she would resettle and normally do her whole sleep. So I was worried about that. But day five and she has had great nights since we got rid oh. of it. And then today she slept for an hour this morning and then slept for two and a half hours at lunch. I didn't have to resettle her at all. Oh my Um, God. I just, I just can't believe it. I never (laughs) thought that my children would be able to sleep without a dummy. So 
yeah, have to do a massive shout out to Lisa from Sleep Easy, who we've got on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Um, she helped us out and she is just amazing. And I'm so, so incredibly thankful. So that's, yeah, that's been what's on top for us, really. That's Great. really exciting. You deserve yeah. to toast yourselves for that. Yeah, you do. It was, it was really hard. Like the weekend, we basically just wrote ourselves off to doing anything and knew it would be hard work, but mm. we threw it and I nearly gave up. But yeah, I'm so pleased persevered. now that you persevered. Yeah. Yeah. It just oh, was poor some... flow. It was heartbreaking, but now she's fine. <laughs> it's, it is heartbreaking. And you've inspired me to do it as well. I don't have as much perseverance as you, so I'm going to stick with mine for a little bit. <laughs> I think once you're past that six month mark, it's like, yeah. you've got it now till you're three. Yeah. Oh. What's on top for you, Molly? Well, this week it is solids. You know, when you start introducing like the mushed up really good stuff to them, um, we've just been doing like two. She has something over two days, two or three days, and man, mm. she loves it. This is Yay. Layla I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's almost six, yeah, she's almost six months. She'll be six months this week. And yeah, I said I wasn't going to do it until after six months because I think to quote you, Catherine, it is a ball ache. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is such a ball ache. um, Oh, you have so much stuff to think about rather than just a boob. Yeah. And she was getting really, really angry though, watching us eat and she Mm. would sit at her high chair and she just be watching and trying to grab for our food and she has she can sit by herself in the high chair and stuff so I waited until everything she could do all those things they say to wait for yeah so just been experimenting with foods and I was giving her some avocado the other day and took the spoon out and she she actually screamed at me and grabbed the spoon from my hand and like shoved it back in her mouth She's going to be a little foodie. She's going to oh want to go God. out for like avocado on smashed like, ever. Yeah, yeah, smashed, smashed ever. On, like, yeah, wheat bread. She honestly, <laughs> she smashes it back. Good going, Layla. Yeah, yeah go, Layla. I know. It's I'm awesome. hoping it helps maybe with like keeping her fuller for longer. Mm. Anything that works towards giving them a good night's sleep. Absolutely. Yeah. What's on top for you, Catherine? This week, what's on top for me, which is actually quite fitting considering our guest that we have on today, is exercise. Early on in the year, I'm sure it's on everybody's mind, isn't it? <laughs> Exercising. But for me, I I like to do like at least half an hour workout a day. And when both of my boys were having big lunchtime naps, it was great because I'd that's when I'd like smash out my workout. Before kids, I was um, like a morning workout person. I used to always Mm. do it. I used to go to the gym before work. So it was an adjustment going to midday, but I just don't have the discipline to get up before the kids do, if I'm honest. Now, Hugh doesn't have his lunchtime nap anymore, which is tragic. And it's, (laughs) you know, that's something separate. But it means (laughs) I can't, I can't really do my workout at lunchtime. I've been trying to, but he joins in. And that's quite hard work. Like he sits in the long run could be good. He sits on my back whenever I'm like trying to do (laughs) a plank or a push up, which when I'm stronger, great. But for now, doesn't work. (laughs) So now I'm having to do them once the kids are in bed. And then it's awkward for like eating. I think, oh, this is my downtime. I don't really want to be exercising. So what do you guys do? Uh, I do Um, mine when the child is asleep and Mila's at preschool. So I only have one Mm. to worry about, but midday Mm. I tried doing in the evenings, but I find I have no motivation when it's the evening because I'm like, I just want to sit down and relax then. So yeah, gosh, that's good. What Mm. do you do, Georgia? I mean, I wish I could say I worked out regularly, but I just don't. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it's my answer. I did not start until Hector was like six months old. Also, yeah. I started a week ago, so <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing the odd thing. And yes, while they're sleeping at the same time is great. We did do Tom and I did a workout after the kids had gone to bed the other night. But it's like you said, then you eat late, and we actually we all try and eat together about five thirty, and then yeah, then you don't want to work out after that. No, so, no, or so like going hard. for a run. I can't oh. run after I've had dinner. No. no. 
definitely not. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I'll have to be, it'll be lunchtime. Do you think you could go back to being an early, more, like wake up before they wake up? Because I've contemplated doing that. Yeah, I think potentially well. I'm going to have to go back to doing that. I used to be such a kino and get up at 5.45 and do my workout. I used to go to F45 yeah. pre-kids. And the thought of that just fills me with dread at the moment because you can never quite guarantee a great night. And I always stay up a bit too late mm. yeah. in the evenings. Yeah. yeah. But I think I'm just going to have to suck it up and do it. At the moment, Matt's off work, so I'm doing them in the day still, which is great, like going for nice long runs. But when he's back to work, I'm just going to have to suck it up and do it in the morning. I could do six, I think. I could do six, but not 4.30. Don't you yeah. wish you could just like do one workout and then you're fit? Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating that it's like an ongoing thing that happens all the time. So I think that's why I haven't wanted to start again, because I know yeah. I'll just be so unfit. <gasps> oh, it's hard getting Two back babies back it, to back it? is not good for the bod. No. Oh, no. I sometimes think like, do I ha- am I going to have to do this every day when I'm like 70 and 80? Is this it? Do you exercise forever? <laughs> By then you just let it go. You let yourself yeah, go. You do. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> right. We should probably get into this week's podcast then, shouldn't we? We should. Yeah, sounds good. It's a goodie. We are so excited to have the wonderful Simone Forsyth, or you may know her as Simone Anderson on the gram, on the podcast today. Simone has a huge online following, is a published author, motivational speaker, MC, co-founder of Embrace Active, which is an activewear label, wife to Trent and mama to the absolutely gorgeous Asher, and I better not forget Maddox, (laughs) (laughs) and she's an absolute super mum. Today we're going to speak to Simone about the expectations of motherhood versus the reality, how she found having a young baby during Auckland's lockdown and managing mum life with work life. Thanks so much for joining us, Simone. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family to start off with? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys firstly for having me on here. Big honour. And I sort of started sharing my life via social media about seven years ago, just over seven years, I actually cannot remember. Um, <laughs> and this was a decision I made uh, that was purely to keep myself accountable in a weight loss journey. Uh, at the time, I was 169 mm. kgs and had sort of hit a point where I didn't know how I was going to lose this weight. And it was progressively getting worse each year. Um, I was 23 years old and I struggled to sort of walk up my own driveway or even a set of stairs. And it was a very, I guess, debilitating point in my life where I knew I had to make a change, but I didn't know how. And Mm. I came up with the idea that I'm actually someone that is kept very accountable by others. If I say I'm going to do something, I will 100% do it. I will not let anyone down, um, and this is just in my nature. So I came up with this quirky, crazy idea that I'd share it online um, to my friends and family at the time, which was about 800 people on Facebook, uh, and that they would sort of keep me accountable on this weight loss journey. And I I press post on a photo of myself and, you know, a pair of leggings and a bra with all my fat rolls hanging out. And this was the start of what is called, I called my journey to health, Simone's journey to health. And that's where I started documenting my, my journey online. And um, mm. since then it's turned into my full-time living and um, we sharing my life online every day. Um, and I think initially I promised I'd always share not just the good parts, but the really tough parts too. Um, And I think that's why my page at the time, because there weren't a lot of people doing this. It was all Mm. very pretty things online. Uh, So to get the real raw grunty side of it uh, was quite a shock to people. Um, It evoked a lot of emotion, but it also evoked Mm. some really strong followers. Um, And it went pretty viral. And yeah, I've turned it into something that's pretty exciting and and now I just share basically my mum life my day-to-day <laughs> with little Asher and what I get up to and you know things that make me happy things that make me tick share what makes me sad and yeah I just absolutely love it um I've yeah it's a bit about a family I met Trent Oh, we're six years ago now um and we got married in November 2020 so we've just celebrated our first wedding anniversary uh, and it came along in July. Um, so we knew on our wedding day that we were pregnant with him, which was really special. Um, oh, yeah, so nice. A little family. And like you said, cannot forget Maddox, our first third baby. Um, 
Now, absolutely like the worst mum in the world last night, though. We took a little photo in front of the Christmas tree after we put the Christmas tree up, a little tradition. It wasn't until Asher went to bed that I was like, oh, my gosh, we forgot to put Maddox in the Christmas photo. <gasps> Oh. We never have forgotten that a year ago. Like how oh, oh. people say the dogs oh, come second, but I really I didn't think he had until that point, and I started crying. I was like, I forgot oh. it. Like Trent, oh. you can relate to that, can't you, Molly? I can definitely relate to that. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. I think the kids just honestly they slowly just take over your like thinking and your life and just everything in it. Yeah, I honestly never thought I because he's just been such a pro- like I've made sure I kept his routine the same. I've really considered him like tried to so hard and this was just such a like it's a special time and we're trying to make it you know like for Asher and it was we took a family photo and Maddox would usually be in there tonight yeah I felt just (laughs) awful there's always photoshop photoshop him in yeah totally (laughs) how has Maddox been with Asher he from the get-go was pretty phenomenal we had Trent's parents here when we were in birth care uh, for the three days and so they were looking after Maddox and each day They'd come and visit us and they'd take home an item of Ash's clothing or his blanket or something like that and they'd let Maddox sniff it. And so he got used to the smell, obviously, and then when we brought him back into Asher back home, um, we Trent came in first and said hi to Maddox, gave him lots of love. Then I came in and then we brought Asher in together and introduced. And from that moment, he was, you know, a little bit, like, cautious of him um, but gave him a good sniff. And has really just followed him around the house since and will just sit close, but not too close. Um, and as his little protector, every sleep, he tries to stay in the room and I have to get him out of the room. He loves the sheep's and rug on the ground. Um, so it's been, yeah, really special. A few dicey moments where Maddox got really excited around Asher and got like, you know, not meant to, but nearly stood on his face and things like that where you're like, oh no, but in general, really good. They'll be the best best buddies growing up, I'm sure. I know. I just oh, yeah. think once Asher can give him a little bit of stick back and, you know, play with him, he'll love it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's yeah, so special. Sure. Um, can you give us a little bit of a background on your pregnancy and birth? Absolutely. Um, I had what I think I, most people would describe as a very dream pregnancy, very lucky pregnancy. I didn't feel one inch of sickness the entire way through. Um, I had lots of energy. Um, I loved my pregnancy. I would go back in a heartbeat. Um, It was only towards the end where I struggled like lower back pain anyway. uh, That it was you know quite intense towards the towards the end there. Um, But that would be the only I guess downside of pregnancy for me. I just I loved it. I loved my big belly and uh, everyone touching it. I I don't know. I enjoyed that part and I was (laughs) everyone would, you know, go and be a bit cautious. And I was like, no, touch it. Touch it. You know, (laughs) rub it. (laughs) It was really special. Um and for birth I Trent and I had called it our birthing idea because we know often it doesn't go to plan and it didn't go to plan for us. Um we loved the idea of birthing uh, at the birthing unit, so not as like clinical and not as hospital based, but still with some midwives there and in that experience. I liked the idea of a home birth, uh, but Trent was petrified of that being our first birth and if something went wrong. Um, yeah. But Asher decided he really didn't want to come into this world, um, and it was forty-one and six that we ended oh. up. Um, wow. inducing wow. and doing that in the hospital um, so we had the little oral induction I can't remember the name of it now I had that too and I can't remember it either on something <laughs> I, I did know it I talked about it once um, yeah I had that every couple of hours uh, and then or all day and then went to bed that night and 4am woke up with what I thought was contractions but I wasn't sure um, I just really needed to poo mm-hmm. and so I went and did a, the tiniest poo in the history of the world and got back into the hospital <laughs> bed and, and thought oh I need to poo again and I was like is this a poo or is this a baby I'm not sure and so this went on for about an hour where I was just trying to get this poo out um, and then it sort of started cranking into it and I was like okay this it's no longer a poo I think we've got a baby coming um, so that's where I woke Trent up and yeah, called. He got in touch with everyone we needed to get in touch with, and that it sort of had started started the birthing process there. Um, and then it was 
around, I think around 8am where I was in, you know, contractions were pretty intense. I had one of the hospital midwives come in um, and sort of do a regular checkup and sort of ask how I was and and I was like, oh, it's, you know, pretty intense. It's like, oh, yeah, you're very early stages. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, if this is early stages. This is going to be a long road. <laughs> and it was actually mum and Trent that said, I, I don't think she's early stages. And, you know, the midwife was like, oh, she'll be like one or two centimetres. And I'm like, she came in at three, so I don't think she's one or two. Um, I'd like, <laughs> you know, I think she should be checked. And they're like, oh, I don't think we should, like, you know but do you want to? And I was like, yeah, I, I, let's check. And they checked and I was, it was five or six centimetres at that point. And it was like, okay, you're in active labour. Let's get you through to the, the birthing, you know, birthing room. Um, and I loved the idea of having a water birth. Um, I love the idea of, I love water. I find it really relaxing. Um, I was a water baby growing up. So this is something that I really wanted. Uh, but because of the induction, they really didn't want to put me in the water. Uh, they wanted to right. monitor you. So I, I fought for this and um, Trent fought for this for me and just said look if she needs to be monitored um, can we still do it in the water they're like yeah we can it's just harder so we we're like okay well start pouring her the bath we're doing the water birth so yeah. we got into the yeah. water and good on you for actually fighting for that because I feel like often as first-time mums it's really easy to just go with what the professionals are telling you so yeah. good on you for actually, and for Trent Absolutely. as well. It's amazing. Yeah. I think because our midwife was incredible and she's a huge advocate for your sort of birth and cool. the birth that you want. Um, and it, we talked about that a lot. And I think that as if you don't know what's right and what's normal and what's expected, but what I did realize from the hospital mm-hmm. process is that they very much, uh, they need to tick boxes and it needs to be a very, like a safe, a safe thing for them to do and I totally understand that and they've got procedures in place but I also had a I had a very set birthing you know something that I wanted and I I kept asking them would it be dangerous is it going to affect and the answer was always no it was just harder for them yeah and I was like well mm. it, yes it's harder I, I get that I'm a pain in your bum today but you know I want it and I'm gonna give it a go you're like I'm the one pushing yeah. out a baby here yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so ended up getting into the water and had contractions in there for a a couple of hours um from memory and it was I can only describe that that part of of my labor as magical it was exactly what I wanted um and I remember I was in so much pain but I'd sort of practiced hypnobirthing and I, was, I wasn't really even in the room um I felt like I was elsewhere and I was just my eyes were shut for most of it and it was just, it was a magical experience. And my best friend Jess was um, also one of my birthing partners um, mm. and she was there. And I remember Trent had gone off to get water and I just looked at her and I just said, don't let me ever forget this. Like, I never want to forget this moment right here. And it was just, mm. it was so beautiful. Um, and I You're loved me well up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was such a special, you know, knowing that I was about to meet my son was really, really cool. Um and as I was being monitored in there, my my heart rate sort of had increased a bit, but his baseline had dropped and it continued to drop. And that's when the hospital staff said, and my midwife said, well, we should get you out and we should put you on an IV fluid and, you know, get you on a bed. And yeah. I knew at that point it, it's what needed to happen and I wasn't going to mm-hmm. fight the safety of my son. And, you know, I got straight out and um, continued to push on the bed um, and they basically gave me a cutoff point as 12.30 which would have been two hours of actual heavy pushing uh, and I remember this was about half an hour and I thought no way will it go for two, you know, another two and a bit hours. He'll be out of here way before then um, and 12.20 I, I was still going and absolutely, I have no energy by this point hanging off the bed in all different positions trying it all um, and the end, my midwife gave me a position of, you know, holding the towel, legs up on, one was on mum, one was on her, Jess was at the other end holding this towel, and I just remember thinking of it, 10 minutes to get him out, and the whole obstetrics team came in at this point, and they were all gloving up, and it was all very medical, exactly what I didn't want, and I just thought, I've got to do this, like, I've got to do this, um, and Jess was on the other end of the towel, and oh baby <laughs> and I just remember like the contraction was coming and she needed to pull 
and she wasn't pulling quite hard enough. I remember telling her, you've got to pull harder. And I just screamed at her and so you could see her face. was like, oh, shit, I'm doing it wrong. But it was in two lots of those contractions and he finally finally came into the world at 12.30 on the dot. Like he knew. He knew. (laughs) Yeah, or you knew. That was his eviction notice. It was. was, I'm not going through anything else here, buddy. No. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And did um, Trent get to cut the cord and things? He did. So we did um, a little bit of delayed cord clamping and then we also Mm. did the cord blood banking so once that was all done he got to cut the cord right at the end which was really really cool cool yeah Yeah, really special and what was the did you use anything in particular for your hypnobirthing i read a book that a girlfriend gave me i can't remember the title of it it was a fourth edition new zealand it was just really Something that I it resonated with me because it was just about the power of your thinking and, you know, attacking that situation, knowing that you've got the power in that. Um, yeah. And then I followed the Gentle Birthing app, which I downloaded, oh, yeah. which was a lot about breathing work and a few different techniques that it sort of runs you through that you could do during the process. And I found that really helpful. Mm. you're right it's totally mindset isn't it and just having that positive outlook on what you're doing yeah absolutely Mm. and so many points in that in that process it was you know pain relief was offered and I knew I I didn't want it but there's so many times I wanted to take that so badly give me the bloody epidural but I just you know just as that just one minute I just get through this next minute you know so how how is it all going now that you're home as a family of of three slash four. Yeah. I, like everyone says, nothing can prepare you for motherhood. Um, and just the most overwhelming love. Like I've, I felt a love for Trent. I felt a love for my family, but nothing prepared me for this love. And Trent and I often say to each other, we're like, we love you. Like I love you, but Oh, (laughs) I love Asher. You know, it's this different love and it's just all consuming. And it's been, it's been, yeah, the most life-changing thing I've ever done by far. Um, he's taught me more about me than I ever knew. Um, tested lots of things. My father, I'm not a patient person at all. And that is the first lesson he has taught me in life is that I have to, you know, you have to have patience with a baby. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's been absolutely beautiful. I've, I've loved it so much. Um, yeah. oh, that's so lovely to hear. Yeah. So lovely. Yeah. How have your expectations of motherhood been compared to like the reality of it? I think going into motherhood, I was actually a little bit nervous um, in terms of I have always dreamt of being a mum. It's what I can remember from as far back as a young young girl as I've wanted to be a mum. It's it's just always consumed me. Um, but in the later years of life, I just I hear a lot, um, and I guess you're bombarded with a lot of you know conflicting opinions and views on motherhood and just the overwhelming amount of negative sort of talk around motherhood, I I found it really tough. And I I love that there's the reality out there and people are willing to share, you know, both the good and the bad. And that's what I feel like I've always spoken about with my journey. But I felt like I was only ever hearing the negative. Um, You'd only ever hear the just you wait, the, um, oh, but that part's you wait till you have this or wait till you have two kids or three kids or, you know, it was always a lot. And I, I found it really, really scary, actually. Um, and then the reality of, of motherhood for us has just been that I just gave myself completely to this little soul. Um, and I was very blessed that I, I could do that and had the time to do it. And it's just, yes, there's been challenging parts, um, but it's also just been really special. Like, I, I'm not someone that ever stops or ever slows or ever has that down quiet time. And I've had... I've had that with him, you know, I've had more sitting still than I've had in my entire life. Um, And it has just been a really cool bonding experience for us. And yeah, I've, I've, I've found it beautiful and fun and, you know, exciting um, rather than as scary as I thought it would be. And how Mm. I've, I've been surprised that we sort of managed to semi maintain what we were doing before, just with this new added little, soul in it that sort of makes the simple things better 
I think mm. yeah, it's it's the kind of thing that people you know some get praised for being honest about motherhood and you know saying it's hard and stuff, but it's actually really refreshing to hear someone say that it's great and that you're just thriving it with it. I think it yeah, it is really refreshing. So thank you for sharing no, that with us. It's mm, nice it's a good reminder. Also, yeah. you do feel in a weird sense when someone asks how you're going. I, I and I you know, I want to say I'm going well or it's good. I feel guilty for that, mm. which is, is hard. You shouldn't. You so I, should, shouldn't. I shouldn't. No. It's, you shouldn't feel yeah. guilty for enjoying something in life or it, it, it being, you know, what you, I don't know, enjoying it in any way. But for some reason, I do. And I've, I've tried to mm. click my mindset out of that, but it's still, I find it really tough and, you know, people sort of, oh, how's it going? And there's that undertone there and he's like, should I... Should I be honest or just say, oh, you know, it's okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you think, you, considering all of that, that if you had a friend who was due to have a baby anytime soon, that you'd have different advice for them than you would have had before? Absolutely. I've got, we've very, in a stage of our lives where lots of our friends are falling pregnant and going down a similar life track. And, I've my cousin has just had her baby girl and it's all very exciting in our Aww. family um and there's I really try and I don't want to sugarcoat it because I don't want you, you go into anything with you know just pretending it's all going to be amazing but then I think I also really push that there are beautiful parts of it too you know and that mm-hmm. it's it's going to be you know they're going to be amazing parts as well so I definitely feel like that's changed from from pre pre mm, yeah yeah it's definitely that thing that the highs are just so much higher aren't they once yeah. you've had a child it's just nothing you've experienced it is and like we've you know we're going to do things that I've, I've done my whole life and now doing it with him it, it feels like you're doing it for the first time again like going to the beach and like mm. just watching his little feet on the sand and the him taking yeah. in all the noises and the waves and you know just that it feels like you're experiencing it again for the first time so I've found like magic and yeah. the really basic stuff that I it just becomes so normal and it's yeah mm. it's really cool and watching them grow and develop and every day doing something a little bit different or making a new noise it's yeah <laughs> You get excited over the strangest things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and it's such a privilege to be a mum, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, it's so nice. And what about Trent? How's he found fatherhood? Um, just before we had Asha, probably three weeks before, he got a massive promotion at work um, and he took on an entirely new role. Uh, so Good timing. Yeah, perfect, you know. <laughs> but I think when it rains, it pours, yeah, and we, yeah. we sort of do thrive under pressure. Um, and so he's been I, – I don't know how he's doing it, actually. Um, he's 100% working harder than I am in any sense. Um, we're still run, – he's running Embrace for us basically full-time. We're doing his full-time work, and he's just super dad. Like, he's so amazing and so – so committed and he's really present when he's with Asha which is beautiful mm. and I, I always said through my pregnancy when someone asked like what are you looking for to most and it was it was actually watching Trent become a father that's what I was most excited for and he's blown every expectation out of the water he's he's just he's this big kid at heart and I think that's really cool for being a parent because you just you just can be so silly and have so much fun and you know really goofy and it's it's been really cool to watch their bond grow and I feel like they have from the get-go had the equal bond that Asher and I have had it it hasn't been this like oh because you're feeding and doing all the you know that I've had a closer bond at all and that that's formed say later he's had that equal bond with him which has just been really special to see. Mm. it's so yeah, nice it's lovely so nice yeah. do you do you feel like your relationship with Trent has changed since Ash has come along yeah I I guess so I after after in that week after we had Asha it was this mo- I just couldn't believe that I had this husband and this baby and it was my love for Trent was just through the roof and it just hasn't really changed. It's just, I feel like it just goes from strength to strength and just seeing him 
so hands-on and so committed and it's it's just been so amazing but it definitely does feel like a new level of love I feel like it just continues you just think your heart can't grow anymore but it then (laughs) does you know it's it's amazing it's so nice on that how do you stay so positive when it is when it does get a bit challenging so if things are a bit much for Trent with work or you know Ash's schedules all over the place we've really had to support each other through that Mm. um and just had to have those really quick conversations in stressful time and going okay we're feeling this way because it's a lot um so one of us sort of needs to step up and help the other and we're lucky that most of the time one person has been able to like balance out the other and you know take on that load if the other one was feeling a lot for me the biggest thing that got me through the early stages of when you know it's all over the show was getting fresh air if I didn't get out and just get a daily walk each day I felt like I was losing my mind Uh, whereas just getting out walking even if it was around the block for 20 minutes or half an hour it really helped my mental health, um, and I would I would try try to do that in the morning to set myself up for a really good day. Um, because if I didn't do that, it was you just I felt really housebound, um, and I'm not someone that feels feels like that ever. Um, but obviously, with the newborn, it's just is what it is. And COVID, um, being in yeah. lockdown anyway, I had no choice. But you know, I found that um, out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, speaking of COVID, so obviously Asher was born when it was level one, wasn't it? So we, I don't think we'd even... We probably weren't even anything. We weren't in any level, no. So how old was he when... It was about two and a half weeks or maybe three weeks, I can't remember exactly, but we definitely had no restrictions, nothing like that. I'm sure it wasn't a thing. yeah. So I I just felt very, you know, the fact that we got to go through the whole birthing experience and not have any restrictions on it. And now I'm watching friends that have gone through it during that time. It's just a whole nother ball game and it adds a whole nother level of stress, say not being able to have your partner there afterwards and all of those sort of things. So that was, a yeah, we felt like we just sort of just got in time for that really. Yeah, but also in saying that as well, like, you know, when your baby's, three weeks old so that's when you're ready to show them off and you want to have all your friends and family coming around so how did you find find that we had actually done that show off stage from the day one uh, we had <laughs> all our friends and family come to birth care and it was like look at this perfect little thing we've made come and see yeah like a lion king moment yeah, yeah. Held him up. it really was um, and then following that we had all our friends sort of you know the majority of our friends came in those first two weeks um every night every afternoon where it was like bombardment and i had always said i would take some quiet time um, and relish in those, you know, those new stages and really just enjoy that time with him. And again, I I just proved myself that I didn't. I I just rushed straight back into life and I wanted it, you know, like everyone to see him and I was just so proud of him and I wanted everyone to experience that. And then going into lockdown, it was sort of, for me, I know like obviously it's a horrific situation for everyone, but there was a silver lining that it made me slow. It forced me to slow and it forced me to just take that time out with him. And it, yeah. I, I feel so thankful to have these past three months, just him and I and Trent at home. Um, Not having those outside pressures yeah, as well. No, no time in the car stressing about getting somewhere to meet someone for coffee, to go to that appointment, to do this. It was, you know, everything went out the window and it was just, was just us at home and I I think what it has taught me is that I I will make myself do that for baby number two because it has been that special you know it's been mm, that yeah. amazing um so as much as it's been a really tough time and I I do feel for Trent's family um more so because they uh, live an hour and a half away away from us so they're outside the Auckland bubble so we couldn't see them at all during that time um so they met Asher at two days old and they still haven't seen him, oh, and that's, that's, so really, that's really sad. Yeah, so I, I mean, yeah. as much as I 
there were great parts. There was also there are parts that have been really tough. Um, so we've done lots of FaceTime with them, and mm. that's you know luckily for technology. But I came oh, in yeah. the day, yeah, and I could just hear them over the car speaker, and I was like, that's that's weird. But they sounded like they were just chatting to Asha. What is going on? I came upstairs and Trent had set up a tripod with a computer and his phone facing Asher on the Jolly Jumper. And he, he was just upstairs working and his mum was just sitting there talking to Asher and watching him bounce and like doing many daycare but on a computer. <laughs> like, That's a dad, dad hack right there. Just, you know. Oh, yeah. That's a business. <laughs> yeah. And I just heard her say in the car, I don't know what I'll do, Asher, if something goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> don't here. jump too hard yeah not too hard don't jump out of that thing yeah um so as mums we all receive a lot of um unsolicited advice from people around us um and i bet this is especially true for you since you share a lot of your life online how do you manage that i think what's actually prepared me for this has been sharing my life online um is that it's not just around motherhood that you get advice. I mean, I get advice around everything daily and opinions on everything daily. And if I was to take these all on board, I think you'd just be a frazzled mess. Um, you, you just have to know who you are, what you stand for, what sort of life you want to live and go with what feels right for you. And I, I've really tried to bring this into motherhood too. Um, it's... I don't think there's a one size fits all for any, you know, any parent. Um, and I just truly want to do what's best for our son. And I know that's not going to be the same as someone else online. And that's totally fine. Um, and I just have to know that in all situations, I do have his best interests at heart. And they have their best interests at heart too. You know, that's how they believe. Mm. And that's what they've done with their child. Um, and it's, I always say, you know, thank you. Um, give it a little heart. And, you know, just don't really talk into it too much I'm not going to sit there and have an argument with someone because we've got differing opinions because it doesn't mine's not right these you know it's it's not worth it really um so I just yeah I just sort of brush it off and sometimes some comments do get to you when you know that you're trying so hard and that you you've done your research and that this is how you want to do whatever it might be that certain situation and they're trying to tell you that you're doing it completely wrong and that's where you do want to fight for yourself but I've just realized in life that I I don't need to fight for myself all I need to know is that I'm living my true life and that I've done you know the best I can by my son and that's all that should matter yeah. yeah, and who has the exactly. time? Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> you sit there for ages talking to these women online. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so, how do you manage everything that's going on with work and all the different notches on your belt and being a mum? It's amazing. I think tonight forgetting that I'd organised this podcast with you beautiful ladies and having you sit here for 35 minutes while I'm fluffing around with a whole bunch of other things and then clicking um, sums up how I manage. I don't. Um, I just, I try my best every day and sometimes stuff slips and it's just life. Um, and I, I think pre-Asher, I actually would have got really upset about a situation like this and would have really beat myself up and, um, but I have realized that I'm only one person and mm. I, there's only so much I can do. And I, yeah, I feel, feel like people are a little bit more forgiving of mistakes when you have children or young children. <laughs> so, I, you know, taking that as a, please forgive me, ladies. Oh, <laughs> we completely understand. I, yeah, run my life off an iCal and usually have reminders and that sort of triggers it. But, oh, some days my brain is just mush, so... You know, I, I try I try hard and notes um, and reminders and calendar are just my best thing ever. Um, oh, yeah. And what, yeah, I, I guess I've, for the first time in my life too, found the word no um, and found that I actually have to say no to, to quite a bit. I can't do it all and I've never been that person. I've been a yes person and... Mm. It's always been to my detriment where it will run me really thin and I've realised that I... I want to have that special time with Asher and I want him to be my priority. Um, and if anything sort of steps in the way of that, I, you know, he will come first and I can fit stuff around him. Mm. Great. But sometimes I just can't. And so, yeah, I've, I've found that word quite, quite powerful. Um, and mm. it's, it's saved me in a lot of situations. And 
and sometimes I might say yes to something and then I realize on the day, look, it's it's not going to work and I've, I've you know in the past I would have tried to make it work driven all over Auckland to fit it all in um, and now I just say look I don't think I'm going to make it today um, you know I'm really sorry we have to reschedule it's it's easier I think saying no with kids because you don't feel like you're saying no for yourself you say you think feel like you're saying no on their behalf almost don't you yeah that's probably very true actually I'm like no I you know because he needs me and yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah and he's top dog at the moment yeah totally <laughs> It's so nice. What do you think, since having Asher or pregnancy as well, what would you say has been a highlight for you? I think highlight for me would be just having this little family unit um, and feeling feeling like I have a, a real belonging and a real purpose. Um, I, it really has just... It, it's weird. I never didn't feel whole, but I, I feel very whole now. Um, and I know that no matter what else in life goes on, as long as that little little person is looked after and cared for and loved, that that's all I need to do that day, you know. Um, and it, it has. He's just he's totally completed our little family in our life, and just what he's added to our day to day has a hundred percent been a highlight for me. Mm. it's so amazing it's so nice <laughs> so did you stay quite active um during pregnancy yeah I still I felt really good and I had lots of energy so I kept training right through pregnancy I um, tailored mm. a lot of it back um and yeah I you know I took the general advice around core and bits and pieces like that but I really tried to listen to my body so towards the end it was it was slow but I was still training every day um which it just made me feel good. So I didn't want to stop mm. something that made me feel good. And it was mainly I was doing it for my mental health, definitely. It just made me feel really good. Um, so I kept kept training right through. I actually trained up to the day before I gave birth. So Wow. wow. Yeah. Amazing. You are amazing. <laughs> Waddling by that point. I would watch your stories and I was like two or three weeks behind you. And seeing you at F45, I was like, right. I need to get out and do something. So it was an inspiration for me too. So thank you. You're so sweet. (laughs) Good on you. So how was it, how has it been postnatally? Did you see somebody to get like signed off to be able to exercise again? And what does that look like for you now? Yeah, I had always planned to see a woman's health physio. um, And then obviously going into lockdown, she couldn't, couldn't see patients. Um, So it wasn't an option for me to at that point. I have since seen someone. I was at the three-month mark where I could go and see her. Uh, But until that point, I I wanted to get moving, but I really wanted to be cautious, and I didn't want to push myself too hard. So I was loving. I did a, during pregnancy, a Pilates class that was for pre- and postnatal. Um, So it was really specific um, and really tailored, and I continued this post as well um and she's the lady I do it with she gives a lot of different levels and I just really tried to to listen to my body and if I felt any heaviness in my pelvic floor I'll stop I stopped that exercise um and would tailor it and just do something like but again it felt really nice to to move move my body and I did a lot of walks in the in the early stages too which was was nice Mm, well that's really good it definitely helps with your mental health and and sometimes just getting out of that newborn bubble a bit doesn't it yeah totally and just feeling like I was having that little bit of me time which most of the time actually that me time was interrupted with Asha waking up and needing to be resettled for 45 minutes so my workout that was only half an hour long would take two and a half hours by the time I got him back to sleep and got him up but you know I got there and it was a sense of achievement by the end of it yeah yeah I hadn't even thought about the issue of things like getting signed off with being in lockdown and how hard that would have been was there any were there any other issues like lactation consultants or anything that it was hard to see because of lockdown I yeah I didn't for I didn't have a lot I was very lucky from the get-go to have good milk supply and he Mm. left really quickly um so I didn't have anything like that but I do think that you could still see they would have done it via Skype or Zoom maybe but yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was all a little bit, and Plunkett visits were, um, sorry, not, yeah, Plunkett visits towards the end were all via Zoom too, um, oh, yeah. 
And then it was just my midwife would only come for like the set appointment she needed to. And it was all masked up and all of that sort of thing. So it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just picturing the postnatal check being done over Zoom. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I hope my internet connection is secure. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. Um, well, we like to finish up the podcast asking our guests a question. So um, the question we have for you is, what is one baby product or item that you absolutely couldn't live without? Oh, mine would be that I put together, oh, I don't know if it's not one, but it's it's a caddy. A, collect- yeah, a collection so of them. A, yep. a nappy caddy, um, basically just this mm-hmm. thing that you can throw over your shoulder. I keep it in the car and it's got, I just stock it with everything I could need in any situation. And even today, I was out and about getting a tyre that needed fixing. Um, and so they were all doing it in the tyre shop and COVID, I was outside and Asher does a poo as I'm holding him on, on my side of me. And so she's all over me. All down oh. the side, um, and so quickly whipped into the, got the car navigator, everything I needed. I'm changing them out on the concrete, but I've got the change mat, I've got the nappies, I've got the, <laughs> the bags to put it all in, I've got a new outfit for him. And the amount of times in the short four months that he's been alive, um, and also not really going anywhere because of COVID. So that rules out a few of those months, mm. but I've already used this yeah. car nappy kitty. <laughs> I, I didn't have a change of clothes. So I was still covered in poo for the rest of the afternoon on all our errands, but he was clean, you know? Why, why do you uh, poo always in the worst places or at the worst time? Always. And the amount of times he's pooed in his car seat where I can't clean his car seat when we're out, so he just has to sit in his poo. Oh, I, I blows my mind. They just know. They do. They totally know. That's a really good one, having a good caddy in the back of the car. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, and things like we've got sunblock in there and a little brush Mm. to apply it and just we've got a towel if we go to the beach or, you know, just things where if you're out and you think, oh, that'd be cool to do. It's just this little thing packed full of stuff. I find it, yeah, that's my go-to. Yeah. I might need to get sorted on that because I just, I'm like, "Mm, what do I need? And then I quickly will grab like one nappy and a change of clothes and just chuck it in the car. So if I have actually a designated spot. But I feel like you've just got it down, you know, your second time round, you're like, I've got this, I only need one nappy. I'm that first time mother that's got 50 nappies in the car. I'm like, what if, you know, what if? Yeah. (laughs) You just never never know. know. So true. So true. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us, Simone. We've really, really Mm. enjoyed chatting to you and learning all about your amazing motherhood journey. Um, And we really know that our listeners are going to benefit from hearing all that you've had to say. And we can't wait to keep um, following you to see what else you and Asha get up Mm. to. Thank you guys so much. It's been so much fun. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. If you enjoyed our chat today, we would really appreciate if you could subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and give us a rating. Right, see you next week, guys. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.